Welcome to Looks Like New on KGNU's It's the Economy. I'm Bailey Troutman. This is a show that asks old questions about new technology, even addressing questions that should have been asked a long time ago. We join you on the fourth Thursday of every month on the radio, or you can listen online as a podcast. Looks Like New is a production of the Media Enterprise Design Lab at CU Boulder. This month, we're listening to a conversation between Nathan Schneider, Melissa Milios-Davis, Lillian Ruiz, and Larry Rickman that was recorded on June 3rd. This conversation covers Colorado's exciting new experiment in sustainable journalism and explores the question, how are 24 Colorado newspapers staying locally owned? We hope that you enjoy. Hello and welcome. My name is Nathan Schneider and I'm a a professor of media studies at the University of Colorado Boulder where I direct the Media Enterprise Design Lab. I'm so glad to have a chance to have this conversation today and to explore um, the the mystery and the the process of discovery uh, that's underway here in the the journalism market in Colorado, uh, exploring challenges that people all around the country are facing as they struggle to protect, preserve, and uh, uh, ensure uh, a future. For, for local news. So last month, there were headlines across the state uh, uh, and uh, they, uh, and, and really around the country, the 24 papers, uh, all part of Colorado media, uh, Colorado community media were acquired. Uh, but this time it wasn't by a, he- a hedge fund, uh, which is the usual story. A big hedge fund comes in, buys up newspapers, uh, starts firing journalists, and suddenly, um, if anything is left, it's a shadow of its former self. Um, instead, something else happened. Um, in fact, these papers are remaining locally owned. In fact, uh, are are um, going to be our already partly owned by a new online-only outlet, uh, the Colorado Sun, that itself is owned by its journalists. So what happened here? And is it something that others can learn from and and even replicate? Um, So over the course of of this next hour, we're going to explore what happened um, through the voices of people who uh, really architected it and uh, were deeply involved in this deal. We're gonna put the pieces together from their various stories uh, and through these stories, uh, explore uh, some other possibilities of how um, the future of, no- of local news might look, not just uh, uh, as a matter of saving local news or, or restoring it or protecting what we had before, but actually creating a better basis for the future of uh, a kind of local news that's accountable and inclusive and meets the, the information needs of our, um, of our uh, increasingly diverse society. Uh, so to, uh, to explore this, this story with us, we have um, three speakers. Um, Larry Rickman, who is a co-founder of the Colorado Sun. Uh, Melissa Milios-Davis, who is, um, who's at the Gates Family Foundation and also directs the Colorado Media Project, which is uh, an instigator and enabler uh, for uh, Colorado's news uh, industry in general, doing really amazing infrastructure work. Um, 
uh, as well as Lillian Ruiz of the National Trust uh, for Local News, who has been uh, an outside instigator and enabler uh, of this process and a visionary who helped put the pieces together um, in really uh, essential ways uh, for those of us in, in Colorado. Um, so to begin, I want to, uh, uh, to turn to, to Lillian. Uh, Lillian, can you set the scene uh, of the national experiments going on? What are people doing right now uh, in order to figure out uh, the, the future of local news in different parts of the, of the United States? That's a, really, um, that's a really big question to start with. You know, one thing or a couple of different places that we can think about what's going on nationally right now is there's a tremendous um, infrastructure from the philanthropic side that's been working to develop, um, you know, obviously some, uh, some mission-driven capital, lots of uh, infrastructure support, uh, media associations, tools, you know, heavy investments over the last 10 years, 10 to 15 years, um, just in trying to uh, develop the landscape and ensure that there's capacity and the ability to get, um, you know, the work, just the work done. Um, what's happening now, what you're starting to see is folks are really starting to think about, okay, now that we've got these tools and we've got some infrastructure um, and, you know, journalists can, you know, go to work every day, hopefully, <laughs> um, what, you know, what's the next piece? We're starting to see um, succession issues where folks are stepping down from from their uh, ownership, from their papers. Um, we're still seeing some capital crunches at the national level. You know, there's of course the big conversations that are happening around um, the dailies that are going up for sale left and right and being cut. Um, so you've got a lot of folks on the national level um, as well as local, which, uh, you know, I'm sure Melissa will get to, but on the national level who are trying to think about, you know, what are the opportunities um, for ownership? What are the opportunities and the innovations that we can do to keep things sustainable and to, um, you know, effectively uh, maximize all of the work that's happening um, on a local level? Um, so ownership and governance is a big question on the, on the national scale. Um, capital is a big question on a national scale. And also, you know, what are the, what are the areas of opportunity in terms of, um, you know, information structures that currently exist, underrepresented or, or unnoticed um, ownership structures and individuals, and how do we pull those things together? So that's kind of, I think, some of the, you know, higher order uh, conversations that have been happening. Great. And Melissa, can you break that down in the context of Colorado? What is the, you know, you're looking at the, the state as a whole in terms of its, its media landscape. Can you tell us a bit about how that picture looks? Yeah, um, well, I can kind of tell it through the lens of uh, the foundation. I mean, we have been investing in public media for decades, um, you know, uh, obviously, but it used to be that public media was um, a supplementary media source and more and more um, public media and nonprofit media are primary. Um, they're the ones that are growing um, and the traditional kind of advertising um, driven business models are contracting. And so those things are happening at the same time. Um, and so um, part of what 
you know, we, we did with um, the Colorado Media Project is really take a ecosystem level look at things. Um, we know that we don't know what the landscape is going to look like in five years. We don't know who will still be around, who will emerge. Um, so, but we do know that journalism is um, important for the future and sustainability of our democracy. And so um, what could we, um, you know, provide to the ecosystem um, to kind of help stimulate these new ideas, new models, and kind of get us from point A to point B. Um, so, um, you know, one of the things that we um, did at the Colorado Media Project a couple of years ago that really led into, I think, what this project is trying to accomplish is um, I, we partnered with the Colorado Press Association to do a scan of the newspapers because the newspapers are still in many small towns, many small communities, the primary source, they're the only journalists on the beat doing, um, you know, hyper-local coverage. Um, so the reduction in force there, there's been half uh, the workforce, you know, the journalist workforce has been cut in half here in Colorado over the past decade, um, which is the same in many places around the country as everyone kind of knows. But, um, what we were really interested in is this idea of succession that Lillian mentioned uh, a moment ago. Um, you know, right now there's been a real lack of investment in a lot of these smaller newsrooms. They're just trying to row as fast as they can, keep the wheels on the bus. Uh, well, that's sorry, mixed metaphor there, but you get the idea. Anyway, um, you know, so there hasn't been a ton of extra money lying around to stay um, digitally savvy. Um, meanwhile, all these um, new uh, digital uh, pe people are expecting to get their news digitally. So, so um, how we, what we realized when we did this um, study for the Colorado Media Project with the Colorado Press Association was that about as of two years ago, there were 151. Uh, newspapers that we could identify and still operating in, in the state. And of those, um, 93 of them were still locally owned. You know, they were small businesses, um, mom and pop, some of them, some of them small chains. The biggest chain was um, Colorado Community Media, with um, which now um, has 24 properties. Um, but we saw on the horizon that a lot of these, especially the locally owned, um, community owned ones, were um, older Older, older owners um, maybe looking to exit the business, maybe didn't have um, a succession plan um, that was apparent uh, right away at least. So um, we counted 44 um, newspapers out of, out of 151. So that's a pretty big percentage. And so for the last two years, we've been kind of thinking of this as like a tidal wave that's like slowly crashing on the shore. Um, and as you know, you see more and more news deserts, you hear um, the studies from um, Penny Abernathy and her group at UNC. Um, that's just kind of the, the tip, the, the beginning of the wave. Um, and so what could we be doing and thinking about, um, these are trusted and loyal brands, you know, mis misinformation, People, people are looking for brands they can trust um, still. And these are some of these brands have been around for, you know, decades or some over a century. And so what can we do to um, help these, um, some of these properties transition to new ownership, um, look at community, community ownership and different types of business models that bring the community into the conversation about, about the succession. Um, I think one of the biggest things with this 
opportunity was just that it wasn't just Jerry, you know, and a broker um, thinking about what the future of CCM was. Um, I would really encourage people to think about that, um, that, you know, how can you make this a community conversation about what, uh, what are the news needs of the community and how can they best be met with a new ownership structure, a new owner um, as these opportunities arise. Thank you. And speaking of new owner, um, Larry, can you um, uh, uh, position, tell us where the Colorado Sun was the day before this, this deal went through? Uh, 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 how far have you come? Uh, what were you focusing on? What was, um, how is the Colorado Sun doing um, when this deal came about? Well, thanks for having me. You know, the Colorado Sun uh, launched uh, almost three years ago. We, we first announced in June of 2018 and launched in September of 2018. And, you know, I, I'd say back then we were kind of a hope and a promise and a concept that we were going to do things differently, that we were going to try to come up with a different business model and a, and a different way of, of covering uh, our community, in, in our case, our community being Colorado. Um, we uh, today, uh, three years later, we have uh, more than 150,000 newsletter subscribers. Um, we have uh, more than 13,000 paying members. Uh, we are a public benefit corporation. And um, our staff, we started off with 10 full-time staff members. Uh, we're at 15 full-time staff members today on, in, the, in the newsroom. Plus, we have a couple of people on the business side. And we have uh, a few more people who are in the pipeline and going to be joining us uh, in the months ahead. So things are things are good. I mean, it's um, it's it's a roll of the dice to start a new business and um, particularly a new media business. And, and we we went into this with eyes wide open, but we've been very fortunate in our friends and um, thrilled to see Colorado respond to to the type of journalism uh, that we're doing and. Um, we were uh, going along just nicely as a digital news organization and hadn't really thought about getting back into print. But, you know, look, we're a public benefit corporation. And um, when uh, we were approached and, you know, what would you guys think about uh, being part of this uh, effort to save 24 print newspapers? You know, we were we're in, you know, because it's, it's not about a platform, really. I and mean, at the end of the day, I love print, but it, it's about preserving the voices, uh, preserving these community champions. And um, we're, we're all about that. You are listening to Looks Like New, a show that asks old questions about new tech. Stick with us. We'll be back soon. Welcome back to Looks Like New on KGNU Radio. We're listening to a conversation about Colorado's exciting new experiment in sustainable journalism. Where did the germ of the idea of acquiring the um, uh, Colorado community media come about? What was what was the kind of beginning of this story? Melissa, I feel like you should kick (sighs) off. Well, um, I was going to say, like, um, really, for me, at least, uh, you know, I mentioned the the study we did with Colorado Press Association, and two years ago, I was the keynote at the at the Press Association um, conference. And uh, after the after the um, session, Jill introduced me to Jerry and Ann Healy. Um, you know, she 
you know, introduced me. And then, and then actually, you know, we, I started trying to connect the Healy's with all the people that I knew. I, I connected them with, you know, like you, Nathan, you know, thinking about different ownership structures, you know, they were very concerned about the employees and was employee ownership, something they should think about. Um, I connected them with Penny Abernathy, who kind of knows some of the kind of more brokers with heart <laughs> who will help help people um, in these ownership transition periods. And so, um, you know, we were, I knew that they were thinking about this for a couple of years. Um, it wasn't imminent. So they were still just kind of trying to find the right exit strategy. Um, and then, um, you know, we, uh, I sat across the table from Elizabeth um, at Night Media Forum last, uh, like right before the pandemic hit. <laughs> And um, so when she and Fraser Nelson um, from the Salt Lake Tribune were starting to kind of put their business together with the National Trust, they reached out to do um, some surveying of, of foundations to see what was the appetite for impact investing in this type of a thing. Um, so we were talking with them about, you know, about acquisitions and things like that. And then right before, um, right before Thanksgiving, the day, day before uh, we got a um, email or a call, I can't remember from Jerry um, reaching out to Laura, Frank and I um, from the Colorado um, News Collaborative, she's this um, executive director saying, this is it, we gotta, we gotta find something. Um, and so at that point, like I said, Lillian and uh, Frazier and um, Elizabeth hadn't even incorporated, I think, or whatever, <laughs> you know, like, weren't even quite a nonprofit, just um, still exploring. And, but we thought this is just such a perfect example. Um, it's, it has the scale um, that we were really interested in. It was, it would be a huge, huge loss um, if, if these properties fell into other hands um, for the community. And so, um, yeah, we just kind of tugged on their sleeve and said, we think we ha might have a a deal for you. Um, and then I'll let Lillian take it from there. Well, I'm just curious. I just want to point out too, that, um, you were talking about the Salt Lake Tribune. That was yeah. a, a case where uh, a local company became a nonprofit, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, maybe Lillian can speak to this. Um, you know, why that route was not what we replicated here. Yeah. Well, so Fraser Nelson, who is one of my partners and colleagues at the trust, um, you know, she was at the forefront of, of making that conversion possible at the Salt Lake Tribune. And, you know, we did talk about, uh, you know, that model amongst a couple of different ones. And, you know, ultimately we felt that there was a lot of, there was a good thing going at CCM and a lot of opportunity to test a lot of different, um, you know, a lot of different revenue structures. And so we decided to kind of keep, move forward with a, um, with a bit of the revenue model that currently exists, um, but bring it under a public benefit corporation that has a little bit more of an expansive property in the short, short and long term. Um, and, you know, as far as this process, it, it's, it's definitely metamorphosed quite a bit. Um, as Melissa knows, you know, we, we came in initially supporting a potential publisher owner and an entrepreneur, um, who wanted to get their hands dirty in, in becoming a full-fledged publisher. And, um, and it, you know, there was a particularly challenging moment when that uh, individual backed out and uh, some scrambling and, and the trust kind of deciding, you know, our mission is preservation and 
you know, we want to do our part to make this happen, to hold on to it so that, you know, we can do whatever we can to smooth the transition into full com community ownership and, you know, forging ahead with that acquisition, um, pulling in uh, Larry and the son through, you know, again, you know, one of the things that's fascinating and amazing about Colorado is how all the things sort of overlap and the fact that, you know, we had our relationship with the son, but also obviously Melissa and the Gates Family Foundation have a really close one as well, being able to vet the viability of, of what that partnership could look like together was a really huge, um, huge part of this and the son's expertise, you know, with their digital first model, as well as coming from that print background, you know, you don't really get that crossover that often. And so it was, you know, an excellent, um, an excellent fit in terms of just thinking through, you know, what, what does the future of this look like and, and how do we bring these players to the table in a way where we can all sort of flex our various, um, our various muscles. So. So Larry, was it Lillian who first approached you about this, this idea? You know, it's, it's all a bit of a blur now, but I think that <laughs> uh, that sounds about right. It, it was, uh, you know, at least from the sun's side, this all came together pretty quickly. Um, and um, again, we, you know, we weren't really looking to, you know, build a media empire or, you know, get back into print or those sorts of things. But this absolutely was a cause near and dear to our hearts. I mean, I'm a subscriber to one of these community newspapers. And um, so, we, you know, we're just thrilled to partner up with the National Trust to make this happen. But what was that conversation like when you first turned to your fellow co-owners at the Sun and said, "Hey, um, you know, we just got an opportunity. What do you think?" Well, you know, with a sense of humor, I just said, "Hey, what would you guys think about uh, buying twenty-four newspapers?" <laughs> and uh, everyone's like, "What?" So, you know, but look, we all again. I mean, you 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 set the stage for this very well. I mean we know who's first in line when it comes to buying newspapers these days and nobody wanted to see that happen. So once, once we got over this sort of shock of, uh, okay, I guess we could be back in the print business again. Um, you know, we all have gotten excited about this and embraced it. And we know the journalists at, at Colorado community media and they know us and we've worked with them on projects. We've done some award-winning uh, work with some other folks. So you know, this just feels like a really natural fit. Again, it wasn't something, um, it, it all came together pretty quickly on our end. I know Lillian and Elizabeth uh, Hanson Shapiro and others of the National Trust have been working on this for a long time before we came along, but um, it's been it's been a thrilling ride. <laughs> so th there's another character in this story that we don't have present. I think you're you're hiring for a, a, a publisher of this entity called Colorado News Conservancy. So it's not as simple as you know uh, the Sun just buying uh, Colorado Community Media. What is the Colorado News Conservancy? Can somebody break this down for me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, it this can. Be a little bit confusing, and I'll try. I'll try not to make it too wonky. Um, but so the the purchase of this purchase was a, a fully leveraged buyout. So the assets of the Colorado Community Media were purchased, you know, through debt. Um, it was a loan made to the National Trust from a nonprofit lender based in New York called FJC. That's done a lot of really interesting and innovative work in the public media space, um, and they're one of the few lenders that understand media and don't don't run for the hills. Um, 
So that loan was guaranteed by uh, Gates Family Foundation, national foundations like the uh, like the American Journalism Project, um, and they were able to you know use the strength of their you know amazing balance sheets to guarantee this loan to the trust. Um, we use that loan to then uh, create the or rather to purchase the assets of the Colorado Community Media um, under a public benefit corporation that we created called the Colorado News Conservancy. So we created that PBC, purchased uh, the assets of CCM, a lot of letters going on here, um, to create the Colorado News Conservancy. And then literally immediately post-close, we signed our our papers with the Colorado Sun so that they were um, part of that initial um, you know, were able to receive their initial ownership stake and, and be a part of, of the ownership structure. Okay, and h- how is this entity going to be governed in the long term? Uh, you know, it sounds like there are, there are a bunch of players in in the mix here. Um, so, so you know, who ultimately is going to be in control of this entity? Yeah, well, you know, from a governance perspective, there is a board for the Colorado News Conservancy. Um, you know, our goal is for this organization, you know, for these papers to be, you know, autonomously run and, but mostly, you know, our focus is on being able to create mission aligned, effective, efficient operations that allow these journalists to do the things that they're great at. So that's why this hire of the publisher is so important. That's why the Colorado Sun is so important in terms of the work that they're really doing around the care and keeping of of these journalists and and creating really exciting and interesting storytelling opportunities. Um, And, you know, on the board level, you know, it's myself, it's Larry, Jerry, who, Jerry Healy, who was the um, now former owner, um, Elizabeth Hanson Shapiro, also of the trust and Mark Hand, also of the trust. And, you know, we really see ourselves as a, as a working board and a helping hand. Um, And eventually, you know, we see more ownership stake being taken taken up by local investors, uh, local entities, and you know we'll be working every day to figure out how best to make that happen alongside you know the Gates Family Foundation and all of those who've been supporting us on this. Larry, Melissa, anything anything else you want to add to that? You know, I just add that um, you know Lillian mentioned the local and national investors kind of coming together to back the loan. Um, you know. Our colleagues at the Colorado Trust um, really uh, came to the table um, in a way that was really unlocked a lot of potential. I mean, I think we, um, Gates has been kind of investing in media for a while, but, um, you know, I think there's, um, with with a group like the Trust that hasn't been investing in media for as long, um, you know, there was just a good constellation of funding partners that we could kind of, uh, you know, each take a piece of the risk and, um, and, and feel good about it. Um, because, you know, I think something that sometimes kind of gets lost is that these are still profit-making entities. I mean, this is a business um, that, is, that is making a profit. It is not, um, there, there's a reason why others will buy it. <laughs> so we, that is why we wanted to um, have this impact investment really stay um, mission-driven. So, um, so yeah. I, I'd just say that, you know, the fact is, again, this all came together pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, we're all 
like-minded people. You know, we all want the same thing. We're, we're doing this for, for the right reasons. And we are uh, sorting some of this out uh, as we go and, and learning together. And, um, you know, as Melissa said, these are, these are not failing newspapers at all. You know, these are, are successful newspapers that are, you know, community assets and, uh, and doing good work. And mission number one for us, is, as we've been saying, is don't break anything. You know, so let's, let's keep them doing the good work that they're doing, figure out how we can uh, support them, find efficiencies uh, where we can. You know, the Colorado Sun is a local news organization. Again, we've already done some work uh, since this acquisition uh, together on some journalism, and we've got some other projects in the works as well. So it's uh, there's going to be a lot that we're learning together, and uh, and that's kind of cool. I'm, I'm excited about it. Now, is this, is this a vehicle that, can be used for future acquisitions as well. Is it is is, is that what you have in mind here? That, you know, the conservancy language suggests something like the nature nature conservancy. You're just going to keep on buying and buying and buying and building this 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 asset base. Is this part of a, a broader vision for you know for other publications in the state? I mean, I think it like I don't want to. Um... I think with one model, like it's hard to get, um, like we don't want to pigeonhole anything. Like it doesn't mean that the, the sun has to be the owner of every single thing in the state. I think there's room in the conservancy um, or at least in the, the ecosystem to have different um, ownership structures. Um, and even some, there's also lots of opportunity to um, not have an ownership change, but also be a part of a kind of more, um, collaborative um, and kind of interwoven network. I think that's for us the thing that we're most excited about. Um, I don't think that we went, in, at least for, from our perspective at the media project, we didn't go into it um, thinking that everything had to look like this. Um, I think that even just the um, other opportunities that have kind of like come into our purview since then, um, you know, it's just, I think we have some of the tools and the vehicles in place um, to make things work for communities in the way that makes the most sense for them. But anyway, Lillian, you want to add to that? Yeah. I mean, the News Conservancy, Conservancy, it's one structure that was designed to fit the needs of Colorado community media and all 24 titles. You know, there's a much bigger vision of working with the communities and funders in Colorado to, you know, finance, create other structures um, that will work for the specific needs of, of different community papers. So that, that might be some nonprofit conversions, that might be community-based acquisitions, that might be purely publishing partners, you know, all of it is on the table. And, and I think, you know, this group is very excited about working together to figure out what's, what's available and what's innovative and, and create the structures that are necessary to, to you know, preserve these, um, preserve these titles. And, you know, from the trust perspective, you know, your version of, of saying the trust, uh, the, the nature conservancy is sort of exactly right. That's kind of, we see ourselves a, a bit on that model and, and what does that look like state to state and, and, you know, how can we take these learnings and, and help others tap into some of that as well. And, you know, Nathan, as, as you've probably heard me say before, and others have said, you know, it's not, Journalism isn't failing. You know, it's the old the old legacy models, business models are failing. And to me, the the business structures, you know, are not quite as important as you know. First of all, preserving the journalism itself for these communities. You know, they that that's the important thing. And it's not about 
at least from my perspective, this is not about building some media empire or something. That's not at all what it is. It's let's let's preserve these community assets and then let's figure out what the, what the best business models are and could be models plural. You know that that's a good thing. What what works for the sun doesn't necessarily work for you know some other entity. And let's uh, let's just find the right uh, structure and, and right business models for the right communities and the right uh, uh, situations. Yeah, and I just I think that's so important. And like adding to that too is that I think what we're seeing in some senses. Um, how do we preserve like the uniqueness of, you know, what, of what needs to be done at the local level, but also have some efficiencies, some structures, some like um, uh, ways that we can not have each conversion, you know, have to learn from, from ground zero, you know, can we, can we have groups like the trust, um, you know, um, outlets that have some scale, like the Colorado Sun and some some reach, and you know how can the ecosystem itself kind of reconfigure to serve Coloradans better, both at the state levels, you know the state level news that they're looking for, and also the hyper local community news, because I think that is really what's unique about this project and really the missing link that I think that the National Trust has put their finger on. Rich, really, like we felt like we were almost like. Um, like, you know, raising our hand here being like, there's this tidal wave coming, all these things, like we have no solution yet. We don't know what we're gonna be doing. Um, and so I think, you know, like I said, just the the combination of having some scale and having some partners with scale really start to take an interest in the hyper-local and what, what problems um, need to be solved there, um, really to serve individual communities better. Um, and, and expand the audience um, for local news. So. Now, Lil Lillian, you said a little bit about um, moving this idea to other states as well, bringing bringing these th this kind of model to other states. I'm curious, you know, I, I, I know since this was announced, you you all have been getting a lot of um, inquiries about, um, can, can you come and save my local newspaper? Um, and so I'm curious about if you could speak a bit about how replicable this model is. First of all, you know, it, it, it sounds like it required some really aligned, uncommon investors to be involved, people who are not just necessarily looking to make a buck, but are, are um, really, really interested in the vision. Um, what kinds of conditions need to be in place uh, in a community for this kind of transition to be possible? Yeah, so just taking taking everything a step back, I mean, what you guys have in Colorado is so specific and so and so rare. It's highly networked. You know, you've got a strong network of partners led by the Colorado Media Project, folks that are ready to, you know, roll up sleeves. There's a huge amount of interest local, statewide, and because the Colorado landscape has done such a great job nationwide as well. And this has all been cultivated, you know, by the Colorado Media Project over the last three years. So there's a there's a very specific set of infrastructure that exists. Um, it's incredibly collaborative. And in the case of, you know, the Colorado community media titles themselves, um, incredibly, not incredibly, <laughs> relatively sustainable and profitable with their own set of revenue opportunities. So I say all of that to say that like this, you know, this exact thing um, is teaching us as much about what is needed in other places as much as you know, what we're lucky to have in this place. So I don't think there's a world necessarily where we, 
you know, copy paste this in Kentucky or in a, you know, reservation areas and so on. But it does, you know, what we do have is, is a set of understanding what the process look, looks like, what sort of partners we need on the ground. And then, you know, in terms of criteria for that actual, you know, right partner and right set of outlets, you know, they have to be organizations that have a proven foothold in their local business community, a local foothold or demonstrated access to, you know, their local civic and social institutions, a successful track record of, you know, community advocacy and community service. And that last point is particularly important because, especially when you're starting to look at underserved areas, low-income communities, you know, being able to show the relationships that those communities have through these various uh, cultural institutions, advocacy and service are going to be really important. So, you know, those are kind of the high level bits that we um, that we will have to be looking for and will continue to look for. And then as far as, you know, is there another Colorado Media Project or Gates Family Foundation in every state? Probably not. So what are those convening institutions, you know, CDFIs, um, local impact investors, so on? You know, we really see this existing in a couple of probably different flavors. Um, and this is the period to, you know, use use this as a, as a jumping off point. And again, like I said, be very grateful for what we were able to get from this landscape, as well as being, you know, having a clear set sense of what that added and, and what that will look, you know, might not look like in some, in another place. Melissa, do you have anything to add to that as a, a local infrastructure builder? I think, you know, we've talked a little bit about this you know, between uh, us and the trust, um, like I think one of the really important ingredients um, is the that community support, you know, um, these have to be entities that the community wants to um, remain in the community and, and remain, um, and there has to be some will, um, you know, to put behind that, you know, I think for us, um, this was, like I said, at the scale um, that we as a statewide funder saw the benefit in, you know, preserving this almost as a platform and kind of a test test case. So for us, it kind of fit a niche or like a real in, like important question we still had about the evolution of the ecosystem. But in a hyper local way, I mean, I think like Lillian said, there's so many different ways that people could approach this. So not to get stuck in how it is here in Colorado, but even if there's like a small um, beloved uh, outlet in, you know, Poughkeepsie or, you know, some, some small town, um, you know, there could be just the scale of political will that is needed to do something really special. So um, I think what also what the benefit of, um, working with the trust has been is really that um, high level um, capacity for thinking about business model, thinking about like coming in and looking at the business um, uh, with a eye for innovation, uh, you know, both protecting what's working, but also kind of pushing it to the next um, level or decade or whatever you want to say. Um, because like I said, a lot of these um, small community newspapers um, have, haven't been um, fully invested in. And I think there's a lot of opportunity um, in go, you know, the, the, digi the digital realm and finding a partner like The Sun has just been such a, um, 
a really important component of this whole um, deal that has made it even more exciting, I think, for us. You are listening to Looks Like New, a show that asks old questions about new tech. Stick with us. We'll be back soon. Welcome back to Looks Like New on KGNU Radio. We're listening to a conversation about Colorado's exciting new experiment in sustainable journalism. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to turn it over, uh, turn this uh, interrogation role over to, uh, uh, to Bailey Troutman, who's a research fellow at the Media Enterprise Design Lab, who's going to um, draw in some of the amazing questions that have started coming up. Uh, Bailey, take it away. Yeah, thank you so much. So we've got a few great questions here, and I'll just start with this first one. Um, so do you see an opportunity to create a similar independent venture to provide independent and quality reporting for a Latinx community in a bilingual format to report with cultural competency and with the community instead of reporter about the community? So in other words, are there funds for our needs and how we can access them to better serve our underrepresented, underserved, and many times invisible community in Colorado. Yeah, so I, I can take first crack at that, um, and hopefully I can get to all the points. You know, uh, I think for us, to, you know, I hate just saying diversity inclusion, but those things are all incredibly, incredibly important to the trust. Um, and I think what matters most about, you know, this process is really getting a sense of how various organizations are shored up and you know what kind of supports that they need. In the case of what we just did with CCM, you know, these are these were papers um, that were already uh, around for quite a bit. And as we said before, had a you know level of sustainability um, in the past. And you know, that's to say that we're still figuring out sort of what our model is for. Um, other types of, you know, other types of papers, but um, ultimately, you know, our focus at the trust are weekly newspapers. So that's really what our, our format is. And so if there are great Latinx um, papers that we're missing, then by all means, please kick them over our way because we want to make sure that, you know, we get, we get our grabby little paws on them as well. <laughs> Yeah, and I just I just reiterate that and say that there are you know there are some existing um, newspapers that are serving um, the Latinx community here in the state, especially in the Denver metro. Um, probably not as much you know going on in other places in the state. And so you know I think for for us at least at the Colorado Media Project, this is a way to address small weekly newspaper conversions. You know, but there are also also so many other things, um, interesting new startups. Rosanna, who asked the question, is a bilingual reporter at an existing radio station. You know, so there's a lot of different ways that hopefully we can um, address the very important needs of the Spanish-speaking community in the state, which is just growing um, like gangbusters. So we definitely realize that it's not just you know one newspaper or one outlet that needs to be addressing the needs um, of the Spanish-speaking and the Latinx community in the state, but really all of them. And so what are the other things in addition to kind of newspaper conversions that we can do? So those are, those are some things that we're also thinking about. 
Great. So for our next question, I think Larry might be able to give some maybe like an inside look at it. But um, I was just wondering, what kinds of reactions have you heard from workers at these papers? And were they part of the conversations around this acquisition? Yeah, so um, I think, as Nathan said in his introduction, you know, most of the time when you have an all staff meeting at a newspaper, it's to hear some very bad news, particularly when it comes to an ownership change. You know, no, very it's very rare that anything good comes from that from a from the newsroom's perspective, from the journalists and, and not just journalists. I mean, there are salespeople and, and others involved in this as well. Um, I. You know, frankly, everything that I've heard has been incredibly enthusiastic. Maybe some relief because they know us. Uh, again, they know us, we know them. And, um, you know, I will say uh, probably some curiosity. And, you know, uh, would, and I'm, I'm interested to see how this uh, all works out, too. It's, uh, it's really exciting. But, yeah, it's, it's it, just very enthusiastic. So that, that part's been great. Um, and we, one of the first things that we did and that along with the National Trust was, um, you know, sat down and talked to every single person there, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. The National Trust just, you know, Frazier uh, just, you know, one-on-one -on -one after another uh, talked to people about how, how are things going? What are your frustrations? What are the opportunities? You know, what would you like to see, et cetera? I, I feel like I'm very much also still in journalist mode. You know, I bring a notebook every time I go into CCM and I'm taking notes. You know, we're, we're not walking in and, and swinging elbows and uh, trying to remake the place. And as I said, mission number one is don't break anything. Mission number two is let's let's be good journalists and listen and, and hear what the needs are and what the opportunities are. I, I think it is so important uh, to to hear their to hear their voices and to make sure that they have a say in, in how things are going. Yeah, and I just I just add to that too. I mean, I think journalists are obviously one constituency, um, and I know that Lillian and Larry and their colleagues have, you know, really ambitious plans to listen to the community as well. Um, you know, these are you know just like every community um, news outlets that want to engage with the public that they're serving and learn more about how they can serve them even better. And I think what better way to do that than, you know, now as a public benefit corporation, you know, with this spirit of kind of optimism and, and curiosity that Larry was talking about, I think you'll see a lot of, um, you know, intentional community listening um, moving forward as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the other thing that's great too, and that we've lucked into is, you know, this is an organization where every single person who is there is so excited to you know, better serve their community. You know, I, that's, that was sort of the impetus of, of everything, everything that people were, you know, interested in and, and trying to figure out how can we improve? How can we do this better? It was all about how to better serve the community. So we kind of feel like we have a, you know, we're one step ahead where we thought we'd be on that front. Wonderful. So our next question comes from someone who says, I'm wrestling with the issue of preservation versus transformation Transformation with the understanding that different philanthropic actors in these new spaces have different roles. Are there ways that you expect this ownership change to be mirrored in changes regarding improved labor conditions for workers, improved information service, different relationships with audience members, etc.? Yeah, so just to like 
clarify what the National Trust means when we say, you know, preservation. Our overarching mission is preservation in the same way that the natural, the Nature Conservancy's overarching uh, mission is to, you know, purchase uh, a piece of land and, and hold on to it and keep it away from, you know, predatory developers. Um, within that, though, you know, we do see our role as being, a, you know, a catalyst for succession and evolution and transformation. You know, we have spent, a, you know, a lot of time listening and talking and diving into the, you know, the diligence and into the numbers and seeing, you know, what are the places where there is a you know, opportunity to do things a little bit differently, to improve, to invest in the staff, um, to invest in uh, expanding coverage in the areas where they want to go as well and where they feel that they can continue to add value um, and making the conversation very much a two-way street between ourselves and the actual staff. And, you know, I, I, so I hope that, that that sort of clears some of that up. Um, and yeah, ultimately, when it comes to transformation, being agnostic as to what that means, you know, some folks think of transformation and it's like, great, let's pop up 24 websites to go along with these 24 titles. And, um, you know, we we might find going in that it's, you know, 19 titles need, <laughs> need a digital site and the other, how's my math, the other five, um, <laughs> you know, need something else or what have you. I think every, when we talk about preservation, um, we're talking about giving these organizations an opportunity to transform, which a lot of times through the absence of, you know, mission aligned patient capital, they don't have that time. Um, and the trust is not, you know, we we are a nonprofit, but we're not a philanthropy. We really see this as as impact, you know, impact investment work. Um, so it's about creating, using capital to create the time and the investment in in capacity um, and in development and in the staff and in the infrastructure to actually make those changes happen. Um, so yeah, and I know Larry also has some some very strong thoughts on on the staff portion of that as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, look, I mean, we as we as we uh, said on the day that we walked into the CCM newsroom together and, and announced all of this, you know, we we at the Colorado Sun are we're journalist owned. You know, we speak their language. We know them. We know their concerns. You know, the the exciting thing to me, one of the exciting things is that it's a highly motivated staff over there. You know, they just they really are passionate about what they do. They're passionate about their communities and they want to grow and we want to help them in any way that we can. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a really talented staff at the Colorado Sun and we've been around the business for a long time and we want to bring, you know, our experience and our um, knowledge to bear and, and help them in, in every way that we can. I mean, we really, you know, are walking in there with a the spirit of how can we help? What, what can we do to help in, in every way? So, um, I think there are going to be some great opportunities. As I said, right now, there are a lot of things going on. We have to get a new publisher and, and those types of things. But once we get those pieces in place, um, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of really interesting opportunities for us to um, be stronger together. Wonderful. And I think kind of going off of what Larry just said, we have a question here that's kind of asking, I think, a clarification almost of what this looks like. 
um, and how it can happen. And so that question, it says, can you further describe the process of hiring the CCM publisher and where things stand? What is the relationship between the CCM publisher and the Colorado Sun? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy to take the first half of that. So, you know, with the the hiring of the publisher, that's something that we are, is very, very important to, to all of us. And to that effect, we wanted to, you know, really get the process right. You know, we didn't want, we didn't want to create just a replication of, of, you know, who, who do we, who have we had some handshakes with over, you know, over a highball sort of thing. We really wanted to have like a clear process um, so that we can kind of get in, uh, get in all sorts of candidates and be able to assess a, a wide variety of that. So, you know, that process is really just starting to go um, into high gear. We, we've, talk to, to some great candidates and we hope to, um, you know, continue to swing through that process and, uh, and bring it to a, bring it to a great close soon. You know, it's something that we're moving very quickly on. Um, and as far as the relationship to the sun, Larry, do you want to take that? Yeah. I mean, look, we're, we're entering into this with a very collaborative, uh, approach. And again, just, uh, we have developed some, uh, uh, you know, knowledge and experience on the digital side of the operation. Uh, I think it's fair to say that, you know, CCM is primarily, uh, has primarily focused on print and they do a terrific job of that. Uh, we think that we can uh, build upon that. We know print as well. I mean, uh, we all came from the Denver Post, many of us and um, other newspapers uh, previously in our careers. So we understand print, but we also know how to uh, to do things you know well in a in a digital sphere and i think that we could, we're going to bring some of those learnings and knowledge to me uh, the way i see this is just you know help working as you know in in close uh, cooperation and collaboration with the publisher with the editor with the reporters as well so you know we're we're, we're just here to help Wonderful. And I think our final question for the Q&A uh, will be this last one, since this is so new and everything's exciting and wonderful. Um, someone did ask, though, like, what is maybe one big fear that's looming with the project and what support do you need to address it? Or maybe how are you proactively trying to address it? Well, I mean, if I may just jump in really fast, I mean, it's I don't know that it's a big fear necessarily, but I mean, it's it's no surprise that you know, in general, across the country, uh, frankly, around the world, print has been in decline. And, um, you know, I love print. I hope print is around forever. I'm a big lover of, you know, print. I, I love getting my uh, centennial citizen. Uh, but uh, the fact is, uh, that is uh, a trend that we need to be aware of. And we you need to act with a little bit of fear that, yeah, print print could go away someday. And are we prepared for that? Are we doing the best that we can in the digital sphere? And, you know, with, uh, on the websites, with newsletters or, you know, whatever else, else that might be. So if, uh, if print is around forever, we'll all be delighted and uh, we'll uh, hopefully have even stronger uh, digital, uh, digital presence uh, to accompany that. I'll take a riff on that, and it's kind of a, a specific thing, um, but, you know, one of the things that is still very present and very important in the print business model, especially in Colorado, is 
this is a little wonky, but public notices. Um, and so there is a revenue line from public notices that is really important to print. Um, it's the thing where, you know, the government in, in order to maintain openness and invite all of us to all the public board meetings or let us know about opportunities, they are required to publish um, things in newspapers. And there's usually a newspaper of record for the, for the area. And I know those are still really important for um, for print. Um, they've done a lot of work to, to modernize and kind of digitize things. And the CPA has actually um, taken the lead on a lot of that. So one of the fears is like, I, I don't want the, I don't want the plug to be pulled on that quite yet. <laughs> I think we're still getting our feet beneath us um, in terms of how this, um, these types of transitions happen. And I think um, that is one small way that, um, you know, if that, that just doesn't, that just doesn't go away for a while. I think that would be good. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I would almost frame it as obviously we are cautiously optimistic about all the, all the big plans that we have. Uh, but time is always, you know, time is always an issue. That's that's why we've structured this thing the way that we had was hope or that we have. And that's hopefully to give this thing as much time as possible to, you know, make transitions to de-risk itself from from some of these things. Um, but you know, as as Melissa says, it, it, could the rug be pulled out from under us in eighteen months? Who knows? Um, and so, so what are the moves that we have to that we are making currently to make the most use of the most amount of time? Um, so, ultimately, we have to you know think boldly and move with some degree of caution, uh, but also, you know, just move forward and, and get things done and start to, you know, start to hack away at, at the long list of things that we, that we're excited about and um, hopefully, you know, front load enough, enough of the heavy lifting so that we can continue to, you know, make more time. Thank you so much, all of you. Um, as we wrap up, I just feel so much gratitude for all you've shared and and for the courage that you're all displaying and being part of this, this new strategy. You've been listening to Looks Like New on KGNU Radio, a show that asks old questions about new tech. We've been listening to a conversation with Nathan Schneider, Melissa Milios-Davis, Lillian Ruiz, and Larry Rickman. To learn more about this new experiment in sustainable journalism, and to learn more about our work and the show, you can visit the Media Enterprise Design Lab's website at colorado.edu slash lab slash medlab. If you liked what you heard, please spread the word about this show and consider leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Leaving positive reviews will help our conversations reach more listeners. We would love to hear your comments or guest ideas too, so you can reach us by emailing medlab at colorado.edu. I hope you'll join us for another conversation next month.